So we probably don't say it quite often enough, but we're really grateful for those who work with um, our kiddos. Um, each week, I see a lot of you just kind of like wiping your brow like, thank goodness it's not me today, right? But truly are grateful that um, we have men and women who are willing week in and week out just to, to love on the kids, um, to serve you um, by having them back there, not just away, and even though sometimes that serves mom and dad, and just in having their kids not with them. Um, but that they're pointing them to Jesus, um, that they're caring for them. And so I know many of you also work in, in child care, and so really do appreciate that, grateful for it. Um, so if you haven't been with us before, um, kind of our, our MO here at Redeemer is we um, enter a book of Scripture, and we just work our way through it um, week by week, uh, chapter by chapter, for however many weeks or months are necessary to walk through it. And so we had spent the fall and the first part of the winter going through the book of Hebrews and the New Testament. And then last week, we started a new book. And so we are going to be in Proverbs. If you're not familiar, if you open up to the middle of the Bible, you'll find Psalms. And if you just go to the right, Proverbs is the next book. Um, And so I don't tend to send people to listen to sermons very often, but last week was kind of an intro message. I'm laying a lot of the foundation. And so if you anticipate walking with us through Proverbs for the next a few months, I think that'd be a great message to get caught up on. Um, this morning will actually act as a kind of part two of the intro. What we're going to do in the weeks to come is we're going to go through Proverbs because it's, it's poetry, it's wisdom literature, it's not really meant to be read just verse by verse by verse by verse because the topics change and flow um, so much, um, is that we're going to take topics, something like marriage or parenting or greed um, or, or integrity, or decision-making, any, any just kind of practical life topic you can imagine is really found in Proverbs, and we're going to look at what does the totality of the book say about that topic. And so the book of Proverbs, um, most of it is um, a compilation of Solomon, who was one of the king of Israel's wisdom. You can read more about him in 1 Kings 3 and 4 specifically, as he asked for wisdom Um, If you have spent any time in the book before, chapters 10 through 29 are are probably what you're most familiar with, which is short, pithy statements. Um, The first nine chapters are really songs and poems um, where it is a a father talking to his, his son, instructing him about the way of the world, and he is personifying wisdom as a woman. And, and he's just saying, listen, son, there's, there's a woman you need to follow and there's a woman you don't need to follow, right? And, and are we going to be wise or are we going to be fools? And so the book of Proverbs is meant to be like an instruction manual for how to engage life, how to interact in a, in a wise way. Because if we believe that God is the creator of the world, then he has woven wisdom into it. And because we're going to define wisdom as this is it's being skilled at living, right? I think sometimes we think wisdom is simply knowledge or understanding, but it's the ability to walk through life being skilled at life because you understand who God is, you understand who you are, and you've, you've gained knowledge that is able to be applied in life. And so that's going to be our, our desire over the next several um, weeks into months is to gain wisdom, Um, Being reminded that Jesus in Matthew 12 has said that he's the greater Solomon. And in Colossians 2, 3, that he is the very wisdom of God. And so our source of wisdom is going 
first and foremost to Jesus. And so all that to be said, what, we're, what it's going to look like is we will jump around more in the book of Proverbs than we typically would, where I could say, hey, we're in Hebrews 1, and that's where we're going to stay. We're going to, have, we're going to be jumping around a little bit more. Shanna is going to do her best to stay with me. I didn't give her a list of verses, so that's, that's on me this morning. So we'll see how fast her fingers are back there. Um, but mostly we're going to be in the first nine chapters. So if you want to open to Proverbs 2, 3, that's kind of where we're going to really camp this morning. But we will be jumping around a little bit in those first nine chapters. Really where I want us to start is this. It's verse 6 of chapter 2. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Right? That we just have to kind of begin here with the one who gives wisdom is God. And if we go back just one verse to, to verse 5, um, it says, You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. That both the beginning of what we need is God giving wisdom, and the goal of it is to get God. Right? That God is both the beginning and the end of this. That we are dependent upon him giving it to us. And the wisdom that we're gaining is to understand and to see him more clearly. That he is far better than you believe him to be. That he is far more than you, than you believe him to be. Romans says that we, um, the depths of God and his wisdom are unsearchable. Right? Like we cannot begin to mind the end of it. And so it is not, we're not going to define wisdom as simply book learning and accumulation of knowledge. But it is learning more about who God is and then how that applies and how we can skillfully use that in our lives. In Proverbs 9, uh, verses 5 and 6, we hear this. Come, this is wisdom speaking, right? Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And what we see is that there's just kind of like a feast that's been laid before us. And there's an invitation to come and dine with wisdom. Come and gain and eat and drink all that you can have, right, that you would grow in this. That there's been a feast laid out. Isaiah 55 says something similar where it says that we get to come and to eat and drink. Those who have no money, those who cannot buy, you're welcome, right? You're a, you're, this is for you. In Matthew 22, we see the parable of the wedding feast, right? Where, the, where the, the king is throwing a wedding feast for his son. And he says, bring them in. Like, go out into the highways and byways and bring people in to be a part of this. That they are welcome here. I want them to celebrate my son. And what we ultimately see is going on is church is that none of us are wise. And we have been invited to know God. We've been invited to see him and to have him and to feast at the wisdom that only he can provide. Right? And there's no, there's no expectation of you have to be a certain amount of intelligent or a certain amount of wise before you can come and feast. That the invitation is come and enjoy it. That you are invited. So, what's the issue then? Right? Like, why is this a problem if we have been invited to feast? Who would turn that down? And if you turn back to Proverbs 1, verse 20, we see this. Wisdom, again, is is being personified here as a a woman. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, 
in the markets she raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets she cries out at the entrance of the city gates she speaks and here's what she says how long O simple ones will you love being simple how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge if you turn at my reproof behold i will pour out my spirit to you i will make my words known to you but because i have called and you refuse to listen I've stretched up my hand and no one has heeded. It then goes into a list of, of evil that's going to come. So here's the thing. A feast has been laid out to come and dine, right? And that you don't, there's no invitation needed other than the one from the one inviting, right? You don't have to have a certain level of expertise to come and feast. But wisdom is telling us, I'm standing in the busy street, in the noisy street, and I'm calling out. Right? What we are reminded of here, what we're being told is that there is the noise of life that may drown out the voice of wisdom. That wisdom is saying, I am here. Come and eat. Come and feast. And that because of the hustle and the bustle of life and the busyness of things that are going on, that we don't even hear her down the road calling us. We don't even hear her saying, look at what's been laid out before you. Look at what you can dine with for free. We ignore it. So Proverbs is telling us this. It's it's a father warning his children. You are not going to drift or coast or stumble into wisdom. There's going to have to be intentionality. You're going to have to be listening for her, looking for her, pursuing her. You're going to have to pay attention. If you turn over just to chapter 2, listen to verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, Making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, right? It's saying you have to be listening for wisdom in the hustle and bustle and busyness of life. And she is crying out in the streets for your attention. Ultimately, right, like we know the busyness of life, right? Whether you want to compare yours to someone else's. All of you have a busy life. And there are things that are screaming for your attention, that are are clamoring for you to look at them. There are things that we we do, right, to just make it through the day, right? You're just thinking, I just got to get to bed, right? I just have to make everyone's got to get to bed alive, and then I need to fall into bed, and maybe we'll survive tomorrow, right? Like that's kind of the demeanor of our American culture. And... You know, people say, hey, I want to go live in a small town because it's slower paced. And we find that we have a quick pace here, too. Right. That we, we fill our time. And so what wisdom is saying and what the father is saying to the son here is this. You're going to have to make some decisions. To listen. To be attentive. To drown out the noise. And one of those is going to be for us here as a, as a, as a church family and you and your, your smaller families or in your gospel community. It may be saying, I need help. I don't know how to shut out the noise of my own life. I don't know how to carve out space in my own life to be still and listen to wisdom calling me. I don't know how to turn my, my attention and my heart and my ears to this. And what Proverbs is saying, and please right, like, hear this. If you don't do that, you won't get wisdom. You will not stumble into it. You won't just all of a sudden wake up at 80, right, and be wise because you happen to live 80 years. It's not an age thing. It is a pursuit 
of the wisdom of God. And allowing the noise and the hustle and bustle and the, 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 all these things in life to begin to be silenced a little bit. It's not that we're able to shut all of those things out. But it's that we are intentionally seeking wisdom. Asking for help as we enter the fray. To clear some of the noise away. And so here's what we're going to do. The first thing is this. Is, is we're going to go into the Proverbs in the weeks to come. We have to be able to see God rightly. We have to be able to see ourselves rightly. If you're still in chapter 2, if you look over to chapter 3, maybe the most famous proverb, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, super catchy, really sweet. You may have it like embroidered on something at your house. It may be on a coffee mug. You may have a bookmark that has it on there. It's just, it's, it's just such a well-known proverb. But it's not just meant to be known, like that I can recite it. It's not just meant to be like recognized of, oh yeah, that's Proverbs 3. It's meant to be like meditated on, to be chewed on. To be considered. Because it's, it's, it's wisdom for how does this impact our life. Because if we're honest this morning, here's the, where most of us are. If life is going well right now, it is unnecessary to trust God. Right? We wouldn't say that, but we live that way. And if life is going difficult right now, if life is hard, if life is bitter, if circumstances are strained, whether that is financially, relationally, spiritually, then it's really hard to trust God. We almost would say it's impossible to trust him because why would I trust you if life is this hard? Right? And so you see how easy it is that for all of life to either be, it's good, I don't need him, or it's hard, I don't want him. And wisdom is finding that in both the good and the hard and the mundane, I'm walking with God. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm trusting him. Right? The fall, which is what we call um, this story in, in Genesis 3, where Eve and Adam sin against God. Right? What was, the, what was the, the serpent's words there? Hey, God is holding out on you. There's something he is keeping from you, so trust me. You want this. You want to have this knowledge and this wisdom. So rebel against God. Don't do what God said. Right? Trust me. Trust yourself. And since then, as sin entered the world and our relationship with God was broken, there's been a constant banging of the drum of a message. You've got all that you need in you. Trust your heart. Right? The theme of every Disney movie ever, right? <laughs> that whatever, all the fathers with daughters, right? So, right, that we're, we're being told, right? You, whatever you need is within you already. And yet the scriptures would tell us, you're a fool. We're fools. And what we need is the wisdom of God. And we don't have what we need within us. We need to find the wisdom of God by leaning not on our own understanding, but by trusting God with everything. And so the, the, the culture and the noise and the busyness of the street is saying this, you're sufficient, you're enough, you're smart, you're wise, you'll figure it out, you're good enough. And wisdom from God is saying, trust me, follow me, lean into me, 
Seek me. Be attentive to me. So, what Proverbs will lay out before us is there are two paths. Right? And it's going to divide them kind of into three categories. But all of them are saying the same thing. There's the wise path and the fool's path. The wise path is also the righteous path versus the fool's path, which is wicked. Or if you want to go into New Testament language, we have those who are saved versus those who are lost. Right? That Jesus has called us to him as the way. And in Matthew 7, he tells us that way is narrow, it is difficult, and it's hard to find. So if we just assume, hey, we're all on the path to Jesus, then we're kind of going against Scripture. Which would say it's the broad path that is leading to destruction. And many find it. And it's far easier. Right? That wisdom would say, don't be wise in your own eyes, but trust Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In every way of life, right? Acknowledge Him. So the good news is that in everything, whether it's marriage or finances, right? Whether it's relationships or singleness, whether it's work, right? Whether it's politics, there is wisdom to be found in all of our ways we can acknowledge Him. Church, here's the thing. You are going to be a fool to someone. Every one of us will be a fool to someone. The choice is, are you going to be a fool to God because you ignore His wisdom? Or will you be a fool to the world that is on the wide path that is pouring into destruction? You cannot be wise in everyone's eyes. You will be a fool. It's just who do you want calling you a fool? In 1 Corinthians 3... 18 and 19, Paul writes this. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Just one chapter or two chapters over in verses, um, verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, For the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So here's what he's saying the cross to those who don't know Jesus looks like he died. He's a fool and he lost. Why would you trust that? And those who have seen Jesus, who have been rescued by him, go, No, 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 that was victory. The death of death happened that day when Jesus died because he didn't stay there. He's been resurrected. And that is not loss. That is wisdom and it's hope and it is my salvation. Right? And so he's, he's laying these two things out. And he's saying, who is going to call you a fool? In Mark 8, is it talks about our salvation. It says, in order to gain life, you have to lose your life. Right? It sounds like double talk or it sounds like foolishness that we're going to lay our life down in order to gain it. Right? The, the, the gospel is foolish. The cross is foolishness to those in the world who do not trust Jesus. If, if you were to look at the life of, of Christ, you would have said, hey, and you have favor amongst some powerful people. Utilize it. Right? You have the ability to do miracles. 
man, you keep doing that. You're up on that cross. You pull yourself off that cross. All right, you're going to go to the power people, the power relationships. You have these big crowds. Like, you're going to win. You're going to bring the people of God out of captivity from Israel. Like, you're going to win. And what Jesus would do is he would send the crowds away. He would say offensive things so the crowds would go. He would do everything that would seem foolish of like, why would you not draw more support? Why would you not go to those in power? And what did the life of Jesus look like? No place to lay his head. He dined with sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. To those in the lower status and lower class. Hebrews 12 would say that for the joy set before him, he gladly went to the cross. And then he went to the cross where it looks like loss. He died. That many would have looked at him and said, you missed an opportunity. You should have capitalized on the opportunity to be great in this world. And Jesus, you missed it. And yet we know that we have, we have won because of his foolishness. And yet in, if we were to have right been there, we would have wanted Jesus to have won with military, with power, with political force, with spiritual... Right? We would have wanted those things too. Because it would have been hard for us to have seen the foolishness of the cross as anything other than loss. So we cannot be arrogant towards the world. But the question is this. Are you going to fear the Lord? Right? Which is the beginning of wisdom. Right? It's being broken before Him. It's about being open before Him. Of being receptive to Him. Not being hard-hearted. Or will you fear man? Will you so desperately need the approval of our culture and the world and of people that you will gladly allow God to call you a fool as long as you are accepted by those who are in power today? Right? That is what's laid before us as we walk into Proverbs for the next several weeks. Is you will be a fool. But to who? And you will be wise. But to who? Because one is eternal and one is temporary. And the fear of man and the desire for our culture's approval is insidious. We want it far more than we want to admit. So we have to see God rightly as the giver of wisdom, as the one that we want to see us as as wise. We need to see ourselves rightly as as dependent, as humble, as as receivers of it. The second thing is this. We're going to have to seek it. We're going to have to be intentional. There's going to have to be some discipline involved here. Go back to chapter 2, verse 4. This father, again, talking to his son, he says, If you seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. This is right after he's told them, be attentive to it, listen for it, pay attention, and then seek it like silver, search for it as hidden treasures, and then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You notice there's like an, if you do this, if, then this will happen. And, and we are in a, like an instantaneous culture, right? Like where we want, if I do this, now I have it. Like if I order it, I want it here today. Right? We want things now. And what he's saying is this, that if, verse 4, you seek it like silver, if you seek wisdom as something that is hidden, but you're looking for it, then, in verse 5, you will understand. Right, that there is discipline involved here. It will take time. In chapter one, 
um, it, the, the father lays out a couple different options. He says there's going to be those who are going to come and say, hey, let's go wait, lay and wait and ambush people and we'll, we'll kill them and we'll take their stuff. Right? Sin is flashier and it's quicker and it gets results quicker. And the father is telling him, you're going to be tempted to do the flashier, quicker thing that gains what you want now. But I'm telling you that if you want wisdom, if you want God, it's going to take time. It's going to be something that is developed in you over the long haul, and you're going to have to pursue it. Church, sin is going to whisper to you. You're in control. You've got this. No one knows. No one's getting hurt. Okay, go ahead. Do it. Do it just once. Look, nothing happened. There were no consequences. See, you can do it again. Sin is insidious. It is laying a trap for us by baiting us in, by allowing us to only see what it wants us to see so that we are walking into destruction. In Psalm, sorry, Psalm, in Proverbs 7, we, we have this picture of like just a simple fool, right? Who's just kind of out in the, the, the busyness of the streets. And this woman who is not wisdom, the woman who is folly, comes out dressed to the nines, and begins to seduce him and says, come back with me. And she puts out all of her, her wiles and all, right? It's, it's sin laying forth temptation. And he goes back with her. But listen to what verses 22 and 23 say. I'll, I'll start with 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, a bird rushes into a snare, it does not know that it will cost him his life. Sin is constantly whispering to you, painting a picture of you're okay, you're in control, no one will know, no one will get hurt, there are no consequences, until you're trapped. And death comes. Suffering comes. Humiliation comes. And so wisdom is trying to lay out, hey, I want you to be able to see the trap for what it is. And so this father is holding up these two women, right? As he's personifying wisdom and foolishness. He's saying this one is going to be crying in the streets and a lot of people are going to be ignoring her. Listen to her, right? She's got something for you. And this other one, she is going to call to you and woo you. And he's like, and it will lead to your death. And you will be tempted by it. But I want you to know it so that you can fight it and avoid it. So how do we do this? We go back to, to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We don't lean on our own understanding. We go to Scripture because Jesus has been revealed in Scripture. The character of God has been revealed in Scripture. What, what is evil has been called evil in Scripture. What is wise and good has been called wise and good in Scripture. And so we seek to know it and to mine it. And to dig the riches of it. And to ask for the Spirit to give us understanding as to how to apply it. Let me give you an example of this. Paul will write in 1 Corinthians that we should flee from sexual immorality, right? But what many of us do is we walk as close as we can to sin. We're on the right side of it, but we walk as close as we can. Because it's like we just kind of... like. <laughs> Okay, I'm okay. And we're right there. 
And so on a bad day, on a hard day, on a weak day, we take one step and we're there. We've stumbled into it. And you're like, how did I get there? How did, how did I make this massive mistake? And it's because you've, you've kept it close. You thought you were in control of it and you thought the trap would not get you. And that's why Paul would write, flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Like, turn around and run. Because what he's saying is, is if you're way over there and you have a bad day, a hard day, a, right, some weakness, and you kind of stumble a little bit, he's like, you can fall on your face and you're not going to fall into it because you're so far away from it. Right? So it's not just that we know the scripture. Many of you know it, but the wisdom is applying it appropriately to life. But if we don't even begin to know what Scripture has asked of us, what it would call sin and how it would give us wisdom, we have no chance to obey and to trust. So we want to go to Scripture. We want to go to prayer because the Holy Spirit, right, is God within us, right? It's access to, to Jesus, who is wisdom, the Father who has woven wisdom into the world, right? That we are going to Him saying, I don't know what to do. Give me strength. Give me understanding, give me discernment, give me insight, give me wisdom. That we are taking advantage of the access that we have. So we take advantage of his word that's been given, of the access that we have. And that we go to Jesus. Trusting that he is wisdom. And so the question for this is is this. like, Does Jesus ever disagree with you? Right? Or have you made a Jesus in your image? tends to think what you hate, he pretty much hates it. And what you are good at, man, he's really proud of you for being good at it. And what you struggle with, that wasn't that big of a deal anyway. Or do you ever come to Scripture, to the Spirit, to Jesus, and find that what I long for and what I want, Jesus has firmly said no. And now what? What do I do? Do I say, as Eve, you don't know and I want it. Or do we say as a trusting son, a trusting daughter, okay, I don't understand, I don't like it, but I trust you, right? Proverbs is going to put us in that situation of, do we really trust God? Because it's super easy to say you trust God. It's really hard to actually trust God, to live in a way that would reflect that. That's why he says, I want you to search for it, I want you to prize it, right? If someone says, I want to be an Olympic athlete, and they never work out, they don't prize being an Olympic athlete. They're a fool. You have to strive for it. You have to put forth energy and effort to gain it. And so wisdom is not a once-and-done situation. It's not a, hey, man, I went and ran on the treadmill. I think I'm ready for the Olympics. Right? It is a day-in and day-out pursuit a struggle of striving, of laying other things aside in order to gain it. He's telling the son, you're going to have to put other things away and say no to things in order to have wisdom. That we do this daily as we pursue and we seek him. And that we learn and we gain that knowledge and we obey it. Chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, but it just says, The fool hates discipline. The fool hates instruction. He doesn't listen. Right? He takes smooth talk as truth. Right? Like it's saying he's the opposite of a diligent person. He's the opposite of one who will pursue at any cost knowing Jesus and gaining wisdom. 
So as we move forward in Proverbs in the weeks to come, what's gained? First, if we walk in wisdom, skilled living, you're glorifying God. Like you are worshiping in your marriage. You're worshiping in your singleness. You're worshiping in your finances. You're worshiping at work and in your decision making and in where your heart goes, right? Because in all of life, we can honor him and glorify him and trust him. You will be living wisely, which will bring benefit because you'll be avoiding foolish decisions and foolish mistakes. But there's also like this future hope. In Romans 8, we see this. Verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Right? It's saying, if I'm a fool, I'll be a fool for a short period in the world's eyes. Because what's coming is not a fool. It's wisdom. And it will make all of this seem like it paled in comparison. Paul says something similar in 2 Corinthians 4.17. Right? That whatever we deal with in this life, whatever humiliation or mocking or, or, or being called a fool, it will be repaid in ways that we can't begin to imagine. Because we have trusted the one who internally... Eat, Eternally, we'll have said we're wise because of Jesus. And so the question is before us, which path first are you on? And which path do you want to be on? Because you can't walk the fool's path and talk the wise path's game. Because you're still on the fool's path. Like you're a fool in, in doing that. That it has to be a turn Right? A, a, a change to a different path. So we're asking Jesus to give us eyes to see that path. Church, if, if right now you say, man, I'm not wise. I'm a fool. I know that. Right? That, that wisdom is available. The feast has been, has been laid and you've been invited. And it's not because of your merit or your ability. He brings those who are far from him in. It makes them friends, makes them sons and daughters because Jesus has rescued us with his life, his death, and his resurrection. But if we're not careful, church, here's what we do. Here's what we call wisdom. This is where we'll end. Is we see someone, they, they pick up a tool and they hold it up and they tell you about it. They know what it is. They can identify it. They know it's how it's used. They know the history of it. Then they lay it down and never put it to work in their life. And we say, look at his knowledge. He's so wise. And what wisdom is, is it's picking up the right tool for the right job and using it. Now, some of you are thinking, who are you to be talking about tools, right? Because I'm not known for my knowledge of tools, right? But, right, it's knowing, right, this skilled living of taking these things that God is doing and giving us wisdom and insight and then actually utilizing them. So I just want to quickly give you an example of what the Spirit is doing in me right now in regards to wisdom. Um, Redeemer is eight and a half years old. We've been in this location for a little over seven years. Um, and so, you know, I think one of our first Sundays here, there's like 40 people in the room. And if you don't feel it, as you notice as you come in late, like the room's full. And you see people going, okay, where am I going to sit? And... Um, so there's just kind of some decisions before us as to what, what this looks like moving forward. 
And it, it, the Spirit has kind of told me, listen, you can stay in this location out of obedience. Or you could stay here out of fear, which would be sin. Right? Because you feel like you can control it. You know, we're good here. Financially, you can take care of it. Right? Like, in, what, what is that? That is leaning in my, into my understanding. It's trusting in my ability or our elders' ability or our ability to go, we know we can pay these bills. We know we can handle these things. We know we can take care. But God, we don't know what you're going to do, so we're just going to trust ourselves. Or we can leave this location out of sin. Right? Out of pride, out of arrogance, out of a desire and presumptuousness. Or we could do it out of faith and out of trust and out of obedience. In both of those, right, we can stay in sin and we can stay in faith. We can leave in sin and we can leave in faith. There is no clear-cut redeemer in 2020. Here is what you must do, Matthew 12, 18, right? Like, that, that does not exist. So we need wisdom. Because you can make an argument for every way. And so what we're asking is, God of wisdom, would we not be wise in our eyes? Because I don't know what the answer is. Would we trust you? Would we allow you to lead us and guide us? Would we be trusting you, not leaning in our own understanding, but leaning into you, trusting the Lord with all of our heart, in all of our ways, acknowledging him, and he will make straight our paths. This isn't theoretical. Like This has implications for every relationship you're in. Right? Like that, that I, I beg Jesus for wisdom every day as a parent. I don't know what to do again, right? Like, he's doing it again, right? She said that again, right? Like, I don't... Then we're asking for wisdom. And we expect God to speak and to work and to move and to answer. And so would that be the hope and the expectation that we move into this book together? Would we confess our need? Would we confess our lack? Would we confess our pride and our arrogance that we think we are far wiser than we are? And then would we ask for wisdom, have intentive ears, and be willing to seek it out in the midst of the noise of this world? So church, let's do this together, right? This is, this is where we're headed, and next week we'll begin to look at our first topic, um, and we'll do that for, for weeks to come. Let's pray. Father, you are beautiful. And you are wise and you are available. And Father, we would be fools to ignore that. And yet, Lord, the world is screaming at us. And so it's real easy to just ease into pleasing those around us. So, Father, in these moments, as we worship you, as we hear from you, Father, would you maybe begin to give us a glimpse of where we are wise? Um, and faithful and obedient. God, would you give us a glimpse of areas where we are fools right now, maybe even when we think we're wise. And Father, we ask for wisdom in looking into our week and into our day as to where we can shut out the noise and pursue you in your word, and pursue you in prayer, pursue you in community. Father, would you give us the courage, the strength, the lack of shame to ask for help if we don't know how to do that? Or we need someone to, to help us do that or to provide the space to do that. God, we need you. And we want to be wise not to impress the world, but to please, to glorify, and to honor you. 
So Jesus, would you move and work in ways that only you can? And would you receive the glory and the honor? In Jesus' name, amen.